Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Feel free to subscribe. Tell your friends. Coming up on today's show, Trudeau, Trudeau, and more Trudeau in blackface and the fallout. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. What a difference a day makes. Uh, Man, oh man, can you believe what is going on in the politics of the day in this country? We got a big show coming up, and uh, I'll tell you more about that in the uh, as we continue on. But we will talk about this certainly for the first hour. Let's bring in Michael Tobe, Troy Media, uh, Troy Media syndicated co- uh, columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, and former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. He is with us now. Uh, Michael, your thoughts when this uh, when you first learned of all of this? <laughs> well, like everyone else, I was pretty stunned, and you know, it's one of the biggest bombshells to have hit Canadian politics. Maybe ever. It's hard to say. I mean, there's been lots of intriguing and controversial matters that have happened either in the pre- or post-election periods in the history of this country. But this is one that really sticks out. And I think you covered a lot of it in your opening or your intro. But it's something that, you know, it goes beyond partisan lines. I know it's simple to say, yeah, an ex-Harper speechwriter is going to come running onto these shows and, and basically gloat as much as he possibly can on issues like this. And sure, there will be some gloating. That's how life works. But at the same time, this is a horrific thing for the country. One, you have a prime minister who, and we don't have to go through the whole thing quickly, but first comes out the 2001 photo, which, you know, I must tell you, Scott, I don't know how... It was buried for so long, nearly two decades. And came from Time Magazine. Yeah, well, that, yeah. Now, look, we don't know exactly how Time Magazine got a hold of it, but um, you're right. It did come out in a U.S. publication. Um, The thing that's interesting is, yes, it was a private school. Yes, there were small numbers of yearbooks made. Yes, it might have been shelved and people didn't know about it. But when you think of all the people who could have found it from the Tory Research Department, which I didn't work for but worked with when I was in Ottawa, who were the best in the business in their day, and the fact that two biographies have come out about this Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, in the last little while, and absolutely nobody knew about it or found out about it, pretty astonishing. Then the second one came out by his revelation when he was standing on his campaign plane talking to reporters. But yeah, there was a second episode, whereas the first one was what we would call brownface. The second one was actually blackface, as we know, where he sang Deo at a high, in his high school when he was a bit younger. The first one that came out, he was 29 years old, and if he was in high school, it means he was in his high teens. That was confirmed by CTV last night as well. I think it was Evan Solomon who circulated it. And so now you had two things that the Liberal Party acknowledged was their leader. But what kills me, Scott, and I think this is where everything, the entire narrative has changed, not just for today, not for this week, but for the entire campaign, no matter whether the liberals like it or not, is the fact that Justin Trudeau sort of hemmed and hawed his way through when he was asked if there's anything else out there. Kind of sort of confirmed it was those two missteps and and didn't say anything else, but also didn't acknowledge there wasn't anything else, just that he had this love or appreciation of costumes, as we saw during his India trip, you know, about a year, year plus ago. And then this third revelation by Global News comes out via Mercedes Stevenson, and that is the real bombshell. Because no matter how you look at it, there's only two ways that this could have actually come out. He either, tried, he either forgot about it, or he intentionally hid it. 
which means yeah. he lied. How can they not know about this? It's not they. It's him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't see how he couldn't have known. Look, I'm not privy to his point of view. I don't know the man. I'm not in his brain. I can't think this way. But he must have known. I mean, certainly this is something you would think, Scott, you would actually sit down for a little while after it came out because they've apparently had a few days reportedly to think about this. And he should have been basically sitting there thinking, what is out there that I've done that could potentially embarrass me, embarrass my party, and destroy my political campaign? You think that with a little bit of time, he would have come up with something, that he would have thought of this third instance. Yeah. It's just, it's almost like, and you have to be careful how you say this, it's almost like he just hoped, like the other two incidents, that they would just fade into history and nothing would ever come out. Much like we saw with the Kokanee Grope and various other things, he just seems to, it almost like he's almost hoping that nobody digs around and finds these things, because he's Justin Trudeau, the great progressive, the great liberal, the great feminist. You know, this farce, this facade is really coming crumbling down, and it's not surprising. A lot of conservatives and libertarians have been saying for a long time that if you put all the pieces together in the puzzle, this is a very weak, mediocre leader. But now what we're finding out is that behind the scenes, no matter what he thinks, says, or does, sure, he may not be a racist, I'm not suggesting that, but he's certainly done things that people would interpret as racism. And just a total, and just a total lack of judgment. I mean, come on. I mean, this, uh, you know... Uh, I'm I'm getting emails like this, Michael. I'm sure you have something to say on this subject, but it took place 18 years ago. Hello, who else has these types of things in their closet still to come out before an election? Give me a break. Yeah, well, hold on a sec. You were using, you know, your discussion of when you went through high school. I can can actually top it a little bit. I'm two years older than Justin Trudeau. I'm 49. The prime minister is 47. Guess what, folks? I went through the high school around the same time, university around the same time. I'm just a touch older than him. There is never a moment in my life where I would have ever thought to do yeah. something like this. I can't even think of a moment where anybody I knew, whether I was a friend or an enemy, yeah. would ever do anything like yeah. this. I'm sorry. You've got to wake up, ladies and gentlemen. Brownface and blackface has been either criticized or condemned in polite company for decades. It is not something we do. As I just wrote in a piece recently, I don't mind quoting from it, you know, this isn't the age of vaudeville, and Al Jolson isn't singing on the stage any longer. We have changed, we have evolved, we have moved forward, and quite frankly, for Justin Trudeau to only say now that he realizes that this is racist, when it comes out unexpectedly for him, now he's got to basically flutter and say, oh, now I've thought about it, it's, it's all bad. You know what? He was 29 years old in 2001, Scott. He was an adult. And he, he can't. And how can he should have used proper judgment? And, and how can you say you're just learning all of this because he's been preaching this for since he 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 took office? I mean, he stands up like he's holier than thou and points to everybody who's made mistakes in their life, apologizes yep. for everyone except himself up yep. until now. I mean, my, my goodness, uh, let's talk about the apology. Where where does he go from here? How, how do you get? What do you do now? What, well, what 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 is the what are the people in the prime minister's office doing now? Well, here's the big problem. Yesterday's apology was for two incidents, that one of which we knew about, one of which he revealed. Now there are three. He hasn't apologized formally for this one as of yet. I mean, obviously, something will come down the pike either today or the next couple of days. But if you were sitting in the liberal war room or you were one of the liberal strategists, 
I've used this line before, you would pull your hair out right now because you are completely ham-fisted. There is nothing you can do other than apologize, 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 and hope to God that everybody walks away from this issue and ignores you. But you can't because the prime minister was out there only talking about two episodes. If he had alluded to the fact that there might be others, or I have to think yeah, about it a little yeah. bit because I'm not sure that in my memory bank I recall everything. It wouldn't have saved him, but it would have bought him a little bit of time. God help us, Scott, if you look at that image, he just sat there. You know, it didn't look realistic. It didn't look honest. He, you know, he didn't show any sort of aggression. Yeah, he said he was pissed off three times and he was sorry, and I'm sure he was. But he really just sat there mostly stone-faced when he really should have been showing emotion, compassion, frustration, even more than he was showing there. For God's sake, the man's an ex-drama teacher. He knows how to act. That is one of his passions. You know what? Even if it was phony, he should have done it differently because the way it presented itself right there, Canadians both on the political right, political left, and those that don't even have an ideological leaning are just sitting there thinking three times, you, can't, you just can't believe anyone for doing this. How can you trust this man domestically and, more importantly, on the international stage? How does this change the campaign? <laughs> Obviously, I guess his, his, you know, they've yanked his itinerary for the day. They're in the war oh, yeah. room trying to figure out what's going on. The rest are on, on the campaign trail. How, how does this change the campaign? It changes it dramatically. And this is not something that gets swept under the rug. Even if this controversy dies down in a few days, and certainly it will, the opposition parties are in a perfect position to rev it up as much as they can. They're each different, taking different tacks, as you've probably noticed and maybe alluded to. The Tories are going really strong, so Andrew Scheer is coming out and basically saying it's racist, it's intolerant, how can someone lead like this? That's the strategy they've taken, and that will certainly solidify their own base and will appeal to a lot of people who are just really angry and frustrated about this whole thing. But then you have the other side, the progressive wing. And to his credit, and I will give him credit, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who's actually had a pretty damn good campaign thus far, was picture perfect yesterday mm. because he talked about it from his personal side, yeah. not his political. Yeah. And that is a key that, quite frankly, the strategist, if the strategist around him came up with it or if he himself came up with it, that was the perfect response to it showed emotion, showed frustration, showed anger, discussions about how he has faced racism, which we know through his past because he's discussed it. That is actually a moment, I think, that could make Jagmeet Singh into a real federal politician. Like, that could be his defining moment mm. in politics. And if the liberals start to move into freefall, which they are currently in right now, and they need to tidy things up before they really start to collapse pretty heavily, this is the opportunity for the NDP and Jagmeet Singh to actually move up and challenge them, possibly for second place. There's no way the NDP is going to form the next government, but, you know, they were fighting it out with the Green Party, mm -hmm. for God's sake, to hold on to third place. But you this think they have the most to gain from this? Different. You think they have the most to gain from this? They haven't. Well, both do. I mean, the Tories do because they have small leads in most opinion polls, one would assume, that they'll continue to grow. Nano's research has already shown that they're starting to pluck away different votes and, and support from different parties, including the NDP, which dropped a little bit. So that, that telephone rolling poll is showing that something is about to go on. But that, so that's on one end. So that's going to hopefully 
solidify either a strong minority or lead to a small majority if things continue the way they are. How but does on this the pl- other end, the NDP now have a chance not just to middle, you know, sort of milling along in third. Mm. They have a chance to contend for official opposition for the second time in eight years. How does this play in Quebec? You know, that's a really interesting question, <laughs> and I don't know exactly. I know that there will be Quebecers who privately will be very disappointed and displeased, either because of things they grew up with, they saw with their families, or just experienced in daily life. So for them, it's kind of a wake-up moment in certain ways. For Quebecers who've always been furious at that, it'll just sort of enhance their frustration. I guess the big thing is how Anglophones and Francophones may handle it. Anglophones, who are heavily in the Liberal Party camp, as well as some Allophones, are probably beside themselves right now. Even if they continue to vote for the Liberal Party, they're probably just thinking, can we really do it? Can I really get past this? You know, can I go to the ballot box on October 21st, or if I go into an early poll, and actually vote for this man? Irrespective of the fact that it's a native son, that being Trudeau. Irrespective of the fact that the Liberal Party meshes with my Quebec liberal views. And then you have the Francophone set, who have always faced charges and allegations of racism, which, you know, many of them have tried to deny as best they can. Could this actually sort of solidify them into moving more towards, say, the Bloc Québécois, who are increasing a fair bit and will smartly, I'm sure, oppose this sort of racist behavior, the blackface-slash-brownface controversy, and the NDP, who, Mm. remember... The orange wave did extremely well in 2011 there. Why can't it happen again? The NDP numbers in Quebec have been pretty poor right now. Last few polls show them hovering under 10%. This could lead to a massive, massive spike in the province. Michael Tobisman with us, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, and former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. Michael, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Have a good day. Uh, let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, Alyssa PR, a PR consultant and uh, media guru. Alyssa, your thoughts when you first saw this? Wow. I was gobsmacked. Scott. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, you, you wait for these things to happen during a, a federal campaign. You know, you just do. You know that everybody's political party is working overtime to dig up something. And you know, as you just mentioned as the Liberals have been doing with uh, great velocity on everybody else's candidacy. They have been so, throwing mud more than anybody has. You know, and, and what, what's this saying? He who cast the first stone? Yep. Um, it, it's interesting. So they have been, you know, calling out candidates uh, from all over the spectrum, especially the Conservatives, and saying, you know, you want to vote for these people? Look who they associate with. So, you know, now they have to wear that. And it's interesting. There's a number of ways to parse this. You know, first of all, it was impressive that the Liberals actually did, for a change, follow PR 101. They held an immediate press conference. It was on the plane, which shows that they did. there was no haste, and they took this matter very seriously. He, you know, Justin Trudeau, not really big on apologizing, said, I'm sorry, a number of times, said that he regrets his actions a number of times. Not that you ever heard him say that during the SNC-Lavalin saga. And and when they asked him, you know, is there anything else? And of course that he knows that reporters know that what else is out there. And he was forthcoming. Now, this third video that was obtained by Global News 
was something likely that he did not expect or probably didn't even know that was out there. But I am sure that everybody who is anti-Justin Trudeau and knew him way back when is starting to you know, pull out those old cardboard boxes that they haven't yet unpacked from their last move <laughs> and looking for old VHS tapes. So, uh, there could any? Do you think there could be any more? You know, there very well could be more, and this is what the liberals are lying in wait for. You know, they're hoping that there isn't anything else. However, if you're sitting in the liberal war room and media outlet X phones and says, "I found this," such as Global did, the first thing they did is that they verified it. They said, "Yes, that is him," and you know, so there's no fooling around with this. So. All you can hope is that this is a story, Scott, that right now this is about 24 hours old. It has no signs of slowing down whatsoever. You know, this is going to be the next 72 hours are going to be very, very telling for Justin Trudeau. And it's also very telling on which of his opponents is capitalizing the best. How are voters going to look at this? Are they going to look at the apology? I mean, I'm getting email and you can see social media. It's like, oh, get over it. Everybody has something in their closet. Oh, my. I mean, come on. Which, you know, is just hilarious because if this was a conservative leader, we know what the what the fallout would be. Um, his, is his apology good enough? Are people going to say, OK, that's it. Let's all move on. All good. I hate to give you this answer, Scott, but yes. I went to a number of different media outlets here in Canada, uh, in across overseas, and I read the comments. And you know, even though people overseas or in the states aren't voting for Trudeau, even the people in uh, that were commenting in Canada, and I guess depending on where you fall in the political spectrum, are saying, "Listen, it was so long ago. He was at a party. Get yourself over it." And now, as the story continues to roll, and we're hearing what narratives continue to fall out. The narrative I've just heard recently was the left needs to get over themselves. They are, you know, fomenting. They're taking this story to the absolute extreme, and nobody cares except them. So insofar as the election, people who are going to vote for Trudeau are still going to vote for Trudeau. People who are going to vote for Scheer are still going to do that. We've seen this whole play of niche politics play out in the States. It doesn't matter what Donald Trump says. It, you know, as long as his base is behind him, he can say whatever he wants. And as long as his base is large enough, he will stay in power. But we've so seen just we've seen now. we've seen Justin Trudeau take a shot at his base several times. Uh, a, a key demographic for him, obviously, or, or a key. Uh, um, category for him, obviously, women, uh, indigenous communities. We saw what happened with the SNC Lavalin and the Jody Wilson Raybould. Uh, now you're talking people of color. I mean, my goodness, uh, other than Quebec, what friends does this man have left in Canada? Well, not only friends, but what virtues does he have left? He has cloaked himself in all of those categories before he ran the first time and tried to do so during his, uh, during his reign as prime minister. And also in this federal election, where that was very much part of his narrative. And, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to a friend before, and she's very anti-Trudeau. So, you know, be that as it may. And one of the things that she mentioned was is that he's no longer a feminist. He's no longer uh, friends of the indigenous peoples. So now, he, where, where is he? He has to run on his record. The one thing that Trudeau really didn't want to run, about, run on. Good point. So, when you look at his, uh, look at his advertisements, 
you know, they talk about moving forward, that he embraces all the people, all those people sitting on that bus that is moving forward. And he doesn't say anything about the last four years. What he says is, remember the four years before that. Do you want to go back to the Harper years? Well, I got to tell you, for many Canadians, the Harper years are probably looking pretty good. Yeah. What about how does this change his campaign? How is he going to have to address this? If you're advising him, what do you do? What do you say? You know, you still have to apologize, but you have to stick to that narrative. You know, uh, they did not come out with another apology statement when the third grainy video came out. And, you know, the one thing that they have to keep in mind is is that Trudeau has held himself to a very high standard. However, what's good for the goose, him, isn't necessarily good for the gander. Yeah. So had this been found with any of his other candidates, or whether it was his party or an opposing party, they would have called for their heads. Yeah, they'd but, be gone. You know, no, nobody's calling for Trudeau's head, and he's certainly not calling for his own. How would that, I, yeah, how, do, how do you think this is going to change the debate? Oh, well, you know, the opposition really just waits for these type of things. And I have to say that the conservatives, I watched Andrew, Shear, Andrew Shear's statement, and again, done in a way that was on the tarmac, showed that this was important, done in haste. Uh, he looked very prime ministerial and delivered it in, his, in the best delivery I've ever, ever heard him say of any answer. I will tell you, I think that there was a teleprompter there, and I think that they found one sometime, you know, somewhere, wherever he was in the middle of the night, to make sure that this came off absolutely perfectly, because they recognized that Jagmeet Singh was going to come out with, some, with, with a statement that would, you know, be very empathetic and be very unique into his own experiences. So Shear had to come out with his own statement, which he did. He, he sounded fine. He, he did not go as insofar as, that he needs to step down. He did not say that. But I don't think that they felt that they needed to do that. However, they're advertising. advertising. I mean, their war room must think that they're geniuses right now because they have been emphasizing that he's not trustworthy, that he is a hypocrite, and that he is not as advertised. So it's just not the debate, Scott. You know, everybody's war room is sitting there thinking, how are we going to capitalize on this in the next 48 to 72 hours? Are we going to put out a quick radio ad? Are we going to do polling to see how Canadians really feel? Which I'm sure they're all doing, and they'll have their answers, if not now, then within a few hours. Are we going to have a, a robocall campaign? So there, there are different ways to attack this. The initial statement is just one, but it's how you layer on that. And you have to do it quickly because, listen, we as a consumer of news, have a very short attention span. World crises don't get more than four days of intense news coverage, and neither will this. Um, how do you think this is going to play in Quebec? Oh, they don't care. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think it's going to hurt him in and Quebec the fact And the fact that he is from Quebec, does that explain it? He doesn't care either. Oh, I don't, oh, oh, I don't know. Uh, that, 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 that's a tie. That's a tie-in I really can't make. Uh, I think we're talking about how Is, does this explain does this explain his apprehension to address uh, the laws of Quebec, which uh, obviously condemn those that that are wearing uh, religious headdresses in in government positions? Well, I, I have to be honest, and I think that um, no, the, the, with the exception of Jagmeet Singh, uh, nobody is really addressing that. 
And I don't know if that was the hesitancy. I just think that that was really uh, a political minefield. And nobody wants to dip their toe in the water or to be held to any account by saying that this is what they're going to do. Everybody realizes that Quebec is, is an important province for them, but n- none so more, much as the, as the Liberals, that is for sure. Alyssa Freeman has been with us, public relations consultant, Alyssa PR. Alyssa, as always, thanks so much for the time. It's ever-changing. We'll talk again. Okay, thanks, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, the fallout continues uh, from the video images that have surfaced of the uh, Prime Minister, three of them. Uh, now we are finding out that uh, in Winnipeg this afternoon, 2.15 Eastern Time, uh, the Prime Minister will hold a press conference to discuss uh, this issue, and we will cover that live. That's 2.15 this afternoon, uh, live from Winnipeg. The Prime Minister is going to make a comment on uh, the uh, videos, the images that have uh, come forward, three different versions of uh, in the last uh, 24 hours. Let's bring in Evelyn Myrie, exceptional community strategist, freelance columnist, motivational speaker. She is with us now. Evelyn, thanks for the time as always. Much appreciated. Hi, Scott. So your thoughts on what has transpired over the last uh, several hours in regard to the Prime Minister? What a disappointment. I thought I could say, you know, for a Prime Minister who came out very strong around equity and inclusion, um, an agenda, policy directions, uh, to find out what uh, transpired in 20, 2001 and even prior to that is really shocking and uh, say disconcerting. You know, only a few weeks ago, we were in Ottawa talking about uh, announcements for the UN decade for the uh, for the people of Africa, uh, the decade for people of African ancestry, and uh, the commitment he made to that. We were very impressed with it as a community, and the announcement for the. Um, the announcement for the funding around anti-racism was really impressive. So to discover this um, news is really shocking, uh, you know, for the for us, all of us as Canadians and as people who, um, of um, various racial backgrounds, racialized communities, and having many people experience racism through uh, mockery, through stereotypes, and the blackface, brownface um phenomenon. We know it came from a very stereotypical uh, caricature of uh, people of color. And for the Prime Minister um, to engage in that behavior is is extremely shocking. And it's everyone is feeling discombobulated, quite frankly, given his, um, hmm. his speak about diversity, inclusion, anti-racism. He just announced a 45 million his government a few weeks ago for the first time in Canada, naming anti-racism nationally as an issue. So I guess we'll have to have him take some of the classes. Hmm. Uh, some supporters have said, uh, you know, this happened a long time ago. Everyone's it wasn't got that long. No, everyone's that got long. skeletons in their closet. What's <laughs> no, your reaction? No, it wasn't that long. Sorry. I, I would agree. I, I would that, agree, but I what, wanted to say that. But twenty. I would agree, but what's your reaction to that, Evelyn? What's yeah, your reaction to those? Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Yeah. Via the uh, bombing of the the uh, the uh, towers in New York. Yeah. Because of times we talk talking about racism, uh, talking about risk discrimination. There were many overtures to address these issues. Um, there has been a long-standing issue uh, in, the communi- in the communities for years. What it, what it says to me, however, that our Prime Minister has been very sheltered 
he's the epitome of what you call white privilege. He yeah, doesn't mm. understand the consequences. He doesn't understand the fact that people are live, living their lives in this kind of environment were traumatized, were actually triggered by those images mm. uh, today. Um, it tells us that he's, he lived a sh- <laughs> well, we kind of knew he lived a sheltered life, going to private school, mm-hmm. not really, uh, you know, mixing with the average Canadian in his daily, daily growing up life, I suppose, is a factor. Uh, because he seemed a little removed um, from this all, so it's um, it's disappointing, you know. Because with all due respect, the the government has done some work to address the issue of anti-racism, which has never happened before. Quite frankly, at the national level, we've never seen funding going directly to anti-racism. Um, we've seen it going to other things. We have seen the, the support he has put forward for issues around. Um, you know, issues around uh, the UN decade for people of African ancestry, um, and um, so and, and, and being a signatory to that, and the monies that he's put towards it. So I'm really shocked because he seemed very progressive. So, what yes, about his uh, What about his apology, Evelyn, and and what oh, he said? Apology afterwards? is a good start, but it certainly doesn't help the problem. It doesn't really. It's not where we want to land. How will this resonate with the community? There's a mix feeling you know, like my mother from a different school she feels you know we have to forgive and move on uh there are others who are feeling that um it is unacceptable and for a prime minister to make that uh, that those, that kind of behavior from a prime minister really let you know uh, i guess some, for some people say it signals some see it as it signals a reality check that is to say you know we point to other uh, leaders that they're racist but it's uh it's endemic across the country and so it gives voice to uh what many of us have been saying for years around the issue of racism in canada and so the it's at the highest level right so mm. it's certainly the time for us to take this now as a uh conversation to drive real serious change to drive that change over and above the over and above the obvious racial implications here, Evelyn, what does this say about the person? Uh, you you talked about white privilege. You know, I, I'm older than the prime minister. I, I, you know, I, I was in high school in the 70s and and 80s and such, and I remember being in assemblies and and all sorts of things. And no one would have ever thought about doing this even back then. We knew it was wrong. So how does a person like this, who's now become a world leader, as you say, seem to be ignorant of this. So I'm saying e- even even back in 2001, I'm talking about the 70s and 80s. Yeah, but that's what's, that's what's shocking. Um, it tells me that is, he needs to do much more deeper work on himself to address racism. Uh, he has to unpack and really look at his, um, his whole uh, approach. He has to go deep within, and it's not just about well, an apology, uh, issue an apology. When you do that, it only leaves um, the pain and the damage, you know, with the uh, victim. So it's only a part of the repair process. And the prime minister has to go deeper and look at his life and family and see how he moves forward um, to address himself. And it, you know, how do you? How does his children engage? How are they connected to the community? You know, he, he, of course, the prime minister he has to have security, he has to have many things around him, so he can't have his kids in mm-hmm. any. Where, but at the same time, he has to take some deep uh, reflection and look at how he has been brought up and what he can do to, or uh, should do, to rectify the situation. He has to act now. Maybe give an opportunity for governments to take a, a stronger position 
on dealing with racism. We can't just shove it under the table and say, oh, nothing is an American phenomenon when we know it's also here very much so in Canada. Um, so I, I, I look forward to those conversations uh, for uh, some action. Um, the Liberal Party as well to look deeper at itself and how it's, um, its equity and its, its inclusion policies and how are they giving um, teeth to those um, aspirational goals that they have, how mm. they actually living it. So it gives us, all of us, uh, you know, um, all parties need to go deeply and see how they can address this issue because it is endemic. It's um, our prime minister who is seen around the world as a progressive leader mm. in terms of his um, equity um, articulation, I should say. He articulates very well around equity and inclusion. And to see this, that it was only, what, um, uh, yeah, 19, how many years was 20, 20, yeah, 18 years ago? 18 years, yeah. Um, that this happened. If it was happening in the 70s, you know, yeah. oh, well, it wasn't mm. as prevalent to some people who weren't aware they were not enlightened. No, you're um, right. It wasn't that long. Evelyn, so, I'm going to have to cut you off there. We're simply out of time. Evelyn Myrie has been with us, exceptional community strategist, freelance columnist, and motivational speaker. Evelyn, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you. All right. Let's bring in Christo Avalis, uh, University of Toronto, social sciences, history, and such. Uh, we've talked many times in regard to this election campaign. Uh, Christo, your thoughts on what has transpired over the last uh, 12 or so hours? Well, it's extremely disappointing. I mean, well, this is not something befitting of a prime minister in any case, but especially one who I think has tried to portray a different image. I think the actions he's taken were extremely harmful, and we have to remember that at least with one of these, he was not a child, he was not a student, he was a working professional, uh, just about the same age I am now, a couple years younger. And, uh, and people knew in 2001 that doing this was wrong. The other people at the party were not in brownface. Mm. Um, you know, this, it, 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 it's extremely troubling. And I think it's also extremely troubling how so many uh, partisans uh, have gone to uh, try to rationalize and uh, to minimize this this awful action. Boy, it is it is interesting to see that, isn't it, Christo? It's interesting to see how no matter what happens, certain people will just rally around a, a certain party. And I guess you see that on all sides of the polit- political expect- uh, spectrum. Christo, what about the fact that this did happen 18 years ago? Some are using that and saying, you know, come on, you know, he's dressing up. It's Halloween. It's this, it's that, it's the other. Does that resonate? Does that Does that justify any of this? I mean, I mean, certainly some people will say that the context... So, you know, for instance, if we did this 18 months ago, I think even those who think it's worse, uh, who think the 18 years ago uh, doesn't matter, would understand that it's worse if it happened now. But the, I, I, I do think that, you know, that excuse only goes so far. Again, Trudeau was not a child. Uh, he was living in a time and with a level of education that understood the, the inappropriateness of what he was doing. Uh, he was not the only person, he was the only person in the space, at least it looks like from the photos we've seen, that was doing this, indicating that, you know, this was not a broadly acceptable practice within his peer group, you know, uh, and, and of course there are other incidents. Now those, some of them may have been from his youth, but nonetheless it exposes a pattern. And I think you can connect it to some of the action he's taken as prime minister, whether it's how he's treated women of color in his cabinet, or whether it's his lies to indigenous people or whether it's the thank you for donation you know remarks he made to the protesters from grassy narrows like the you know whether it's the fact that you know his government had the opportunity to decriminalize marijuana as soon as he came into power but chose not to 
which meant that for years, young men, specifically young men of color, were continued to be criminalized for the thing that he and his brother have both done and then got away with doing because of their race and because of their economic class. And so when you connect all of these things, I think it paints a, a, a broad context that links, at least in part, in part, Justin Trudeau in brown face in 2001 and Justin Trudeau's actions as prime minister in 2019. How does this change the campaign, Christo? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't think Andrew Scheer, frankly, deserves to benefit too much from it. I don't know if his policies would be any different. And I don't know if, if uh, you know, I don't know if he comes off as sincere. I'm not sure. And now there's a new breaking story that's, that's very breaking, so I don't want to offer too much comment, about a conservative candidate which may or may not have been partially implicated in a similar incident, although more recent. So that's developing. Um, my, my inkling is that, you know, Jagmeet Singh should see some, some benefit here, but I don't even know if I want to talk about it in that regard, because it's also uh, so icky to talk about that in, in, in this way. Yeah. It's not about polls and horse races, or it shouldn't be. It's about the fact that, 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 that many Canadians were hurt by this. And a, a journalist who uh, at the time was a high school student on, uh, in Vancouver said, you know, when Justin Trudeau did this, I was being bullied for the turbinite war. Hmm. I would have been devastated if one of my teachers did what Justin Trudeau did. And so I think this has hurt people in a real, you know, fundamental way. And I think only Jagmeet Singh has really expressed that. But again... I mean, we don't know how this will play out politically. Will liberals excuse this? Many liberals have. Uh, will, will conservatives try to exploit this and fail? Will they exploit it, but then who knows what pictures will come of them? And then, you know, there's the whole comparison. Is this worse or, or, or not as bad as, as, as what Andrew Scheer did four years later with his remarks in Parliament about gay marriage? And so I'm not sure how this will affect politics. I really don't know at this point. And all the polls we've seen, I do think that at least for now, we sort of have to throw them out the window because, like, it, it might be a new ballgame. I think what makes this resonate, too, Christo, is the fact that, um, you know, we have a prime minister who has uh, always preached the moral high road. He's always told everybody else how to act. He's apologized for other people. Uh, right up until this situation, I don't believe he's apologized for anything, certainly not the SNC-Lavalin uh, affair or the Jody Wilson-Raybould scandal or any of, of that. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, he did this not once, he did this three times, once when he was a teacher. Can he live through this? Can he survive this? I mean, I, I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can't either. Like, honestly, I don't know if I have the yeah. answer to that yeah. right now. It's such a tricky question. I mean, I think you make a good point. I'm, I'm hesitant to this idea that he should face more criticism because of his political views. I'm of the mindset that if Andrew Scheer did this, liberal partisans would be tearing him apart. That's another thing, too, Christo. You know as well as I do, if this was a conservative, and all the parties have had issues with candidates, that's one thing. But this is a leader. And if they were talking about Andrew Scheer or Jagmeet Singh here, you know this would be a completely different discussion. Although I think the NDP would probably be more uh, more uh, re- re- ready to, to, to turf a leader for something like this. I couldn't imagine Tom Mulcair surviving an incident like this. I just, I can't. 
Uh, I think the NDP has a bit of a different perspective on the issue. But the, the point here, though, is it's not just that he did it. It's that the apology only came after he got caught. Yeah. Justin Trudeau wrote a very personal book in the run-up to 2015. And he would have announced it in that book. Like, I've done things I regret. And this is one of those things. And he might have taken heat. But I think there it would have been a much easier time for him to say something like, I, I am not the man I was then. I made a big mistake. I apologize for it. I acknowledge the people I've hurt. People would still try to do score political points off of him, 100%. But it would have been genuine because it was him taking the risk, saying, I am sacrificing my political career potentially to do what is right. Now he had no choice. Like, the, the images were going to come out, right? Whether it was the Time one or whether it was one from his high school yearbook or whether it was the new piece from, the global, from global, the new video that dropped this morning, he had no choice but to, pro, to, to, to apologize. So some people might see him as sincere, but I think people can also reasonably see him as a prime minister in damage control. And I think that's always going to cloud people's you know, mind about is he apologizing or is he playing a PR game? Do Canadians care about this? Many have said that, uh, you know, it depends on who you ask. If you ask a liberal, they'll defend them. If you ask a conservative, of course, they're going to say the opposite. Or is this one of those issues that it is so big and people are so disappointed and disgusting that it does cross party lines? Well, that's one interesting thing that I don't think we know yet. Because as you know and I know, you know, in the, in the political circles, we, 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 one, we live in a bubble. We don't always know what the average person thinks. Like on Twitter, for instance... You might see very militant people on different sides, and, and you, might, you might see liberal partisans say this isn't a big deal, but I don't know if the average liberal voter agrees or disagrees with them. I don't know. And so how the public response here will be very interesting. Um, I don't know. I think most Canadians understand this is bad. Most of them do. Uh, I saw a poll that said about one-third of Americans think it's okay in certain parts of the United States to continue to dress like this from time to time, which was terrifying to me, but that still means two-thirds are in opposition. And so I don't know, I haven't seen polling say, what is the average Canadian opinion about wearing, uh, you know, brown face or black face? Uh, you know, uh, is, that, is, that, is that racist? Is that something that should lead someone to lose their job? You know, I don't know if I have any data there, but I do feel this has the potential to be an issue that, that across party lines, hurts the prime minister not everybody across the whole spectrum would would oppose him here frankly there'll be some canadians as troubling as it is who will like trudeau more because of this yeah uh troubling as it is but the reality is oh we have to go to the press conference now christo hang on just a sec we're going live to the prime minister in winnipeg i want to begin uh by saying a few words directly to uh, racialized Canadians who face discrimination every single day uh, in their lives, even in a country like Canada. Um, what I did uh, hurt them, uh, hurt people uh, who shouldn't have to face intolerance and discrimination because of their identity. This is something uh, that uh, I deeply, deeply regret. Uh, darkening your face uh, regardless of the context or the circumstances, is always unacceptable because of the racist history of blackface. I should have understood that then, 
uh, and I never should have done it. C News. Uh, last night on the plane, when we asked you if that the picture that emerged in the Time report was the only time you had done this, you left us with the impression there was only one other incident. And since then, Global News has released the video, which seems to show that there was at least a third incident. So, exactly how many times have you darkened your skin with makeup in an act that you have? yourself described as racist. Uh, I uh, shared the uh, moments that I recollected, uh, but I recognize that uh, it is something absolutely unacceptable to do. Uh, and you know, I, I appreciate calling it makeup, but it was blackface. Uh, and that is just not right. It is something that uh, people who live with the kind of discrimination uh, that far too many people do because of the color of their skin, uh, or their history, or their origins, or their language, or their religion uh, face on a regular basis. And uh, I didn't see that from the layers of privilege that I have. Uh, and for that, I am deeply sorry, uh, and I apologize. So, so, Mr. Trudeau, how many times? Is it just the three that we know about, or are there more incidents? Because you know people are looking for them. And if a candidate were to come forward now with this in their history, would you allow them to run for the Liberals in this election? I think that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a question that uh, we would look at every step of the way. I think uh, examining uh, the case-by-case -case situation, uh, examining uh, the actions that someone has taken, I am uh, certainly... Uh, conscious that in my political career as leader and indeed as Prime Minister we've taken uh, many concrete actions to fight against racism, to fight against intolerance, to fight against anti-black racism specifically, to recognize unconscious bias and systemic discrimination that exists in Canada and elsewhere, to work to overcome and recognize intersectionalities that people live with in a, in a way that uh, so many of us simply cannot understand or appreciate the microaggressions and the challenges being faced. Uh, so uh, even though we've moved forward in significant ways as a government, uh, what I did, the choices I made, uh, hurt people, hurt people who thought I was an ally. Uh, I am an ally, but this uh, is something that obviously uh, I deeply regret and I never should have done. Larry Cush, Winnipeg Free Press. Um, Mr. Trudeau, yesterday you said that you didn't realize in 2001 that it was wrong to put on brown face, uh, but now you do realize it is wrong, and I'm wondering when it dawned on you that it is wrong. Uh, I think it's difficult to uh, become a politician where you spend as much time as you will do uh, working hard to represent people, uh, working hard to getting to know uh, a community like the community I have the honor of representing, Papineau, uh, where uh, there is extraordinary diversity, extraordinary challenges, and yes, extraordinary intolerance, uh, even uh, in a city like Montreal, in a country like Canada, that people live with every day. And as I've uh, learned uh, to not just represent people, but to fight for them and to try and build a better community and a better society. I've learned every day uh, that it is unacceptable uh, to, um, to engage in this sort of behavior. I ran in, in Papineau in 2008, and later when you ran for the leadership in 2015, presumably there was a vetting process. 
Um, I'm wondering if you thought enough about this issue that you volunteered that to uh, in the vetting process, or did you ever declare that this had happened? I, I never talked about this. Uh, quite frankly, I was embarrassed. Uh, it was not something that represents uh, the person I've become, the leader I try to be, uh, and it was really embarrassing. Afternoon, Mr. Trudeau. Teresa Wright from the Canadian Press. You said just a few minutes ago that you told us last night on the plane that you were that of all of the different instances that you recalled. Have you since been made aware or remembered of other instances, and if so, how many? Uh, I, I think um, it is obvious that, that this is something that uh, was deeply regrettable. I am wary of of uh, being definitive about this because the uh, recent pictures that came out I had not remembered uh, and I think the question is uh, how can you not remember that? The fact is I I, uh, I didn't understand how hurtful this is to people who live with discrimination every single day. Uh, I have always acknowledged that I come from a place of privilege but I now need to acknowledge that that comes with a massive blind spot. I have dedicated my leadership and my service to Canada to try and counter intolerance and racism everywhere I can, uh, but this has been a uh, personally um, a moment where I've had to reflect on the fact that um, wanting to do good and wanting to do better simply isn't good enough and you need to take responsibility uh, for mistakes that hurt people who thought I was an ally who hopefully many of them still consider me an ally even though this uh, was a terrible mistake I just would like you to answer a very basic question you've done this all obviously more than more than two times why uh, I think when we recognize, when we reflect on uh, mistakes we made in the past, that's a question that we're always going to be asking. Why did we do that? Why did we think it was okay? Why did we think it was a good idea at the time? It wasn't a good idea. It was a terrible idea. It was uh, something that minimizes and takes advantage of a reality uh, that I have not had to live with, of being discriminated against, of being marginalized, of being judged for the color of my skin, for my language, my background. Uh, I come from a place of privilege and I have endeavored in my life to put the advantages and the opportunities I've been given to serve this country, to fight for people's rights. Uh, and I have to recognize that I let a lot of people down with that choice. And I stand here today uh, to reflect on that and to ask for uh, forgiveness. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening. 911. 
Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.